welcome back to episode 31 of No Crying in Baseball, Mother's Day edition. Happy Mother's Day, Potty Mouth. Happy Mother's Day. There is so much Happy Mother's Day stuff going on all over MLB today. The pink. Everybody's wearing the pink in in appreciation of mom, including the catcher's outfits are particularly pink. I don't think they call them outfits Outfits. so much as maybe protective (laughs) gear, but okay, you can go with outfits. Well, when it's pink, I think it's an outfit, don't you? I think that makes the pink better for me is that most of the pink is actually as a fundraiser and a recognition right. of, of breast cancer research and not so much that moms are girls and girls like pink. So I feel a little better about that. Yeah, we totally need to go that way because otherwise it gets a little bit disturbing. But happy stuff. All the players are tweeting out to their moms and it's just adorable. I'm thirsty. So I'm going to say that right now. The The other thing that I noticed on Twitter, Mother's Day related were a couple of interesting lineups. The Indians lineup didn't have the players' names. It had the moms and the wives' names. So it was like Ciamara's son and Jenny's husband. Uh, And then the Reds also did something similar. These are the only two that I noticed. The Reds had all tribute to mom. So it was all so-and-so's son. I don't know which way is better. I think both of them are really sweet to do. And I'm guessing that now it's out of the bag that every team is going to be doing that next year. I don't think the Mets are going to do that because they can't risk their lineups. More about that later. But we do want to take another moment to recognize all the baseball and softball moms out there. Whether you play or you coach or you get your kid to practice or the games or you keep the score, keep the book, bring the snacks, whatever you do, play catch with your kid in the backyard, you rock. Thank you, baseball and softball moms. For sure. There's more going on in that world of Twitter. I'm really trying to learn about this. And it's just, it sucks you in. There's so much going on. And the cool thing is that you get a little bit of personality from the players with their treats. Treats? Tweets. I got confused because I heard dog noise. And you thought treats. (laughs) No, there was... Players' tweets can be mighty entertaining, and your buddy, pitcher Trevor Bauer of the Indians, talk about a flashback to panties in a bunch. He really gets his panties in a bunch very easily out there on Twitter. Are you saying that because I actually found Major League Baseball panties and I sent you the link just in case? Was it the Indians ones? No, you sent me the National ones. I sent ones. you the National so ones. We'll have yeah. to look up the Indians ones and maybe send a pair <laughs> to Trevor Bauer because he just got easily offended. He had a big statement. I guess they've been having a rocky time. I'm not following them as closely maybe as you are, but he He said that our own worst enemy is ourselves, basically. So he's not blaming anybody else for the Indians doing poorly but themselves. And I guess once you read a little deeper into it, he's really going into himself and the pitching. Well, Buster Olney of ESPN retweeted him and with a one-liner intro that basically said Bauer takes on Indians defense or critical of Indians defense and Bauer's reaction to that was kind of crazy. Just He said, if you took 69 seconds to read my statement, you would know that that's not what I'm saying. He didn't go too much further. And I kind of thought, take 69 seconds? That's kind of an interesting number to throw out there, Mr. Bauer. But if you've been listening to our podcast, you'd know what that's about. I have been listening. That is actually his charity. Which is very impressive. So I went back to that, and it's worth everybody revisiting. It's his 69 days of giving, and there was some math that we talked about that went into that about the amount of money that he got above his arbitration, which he's donating to amazing causes. So Bauer's out there in many different ways. Very sweet. A little a little testy there. But doing some good stuff, too. I think he's he gets misunderstood a lot because people are looking for the headline. Yeah. And he does not want to be that guy who's picking on his defense. 
because he's not. He is partially that, but it's more than that. And to have that singled out, that pits him against his teammates. And there's no way he's going to let that slide, right? He, he has to defend that. Yeah, and that kind of ties into the other thing that I'm getting out of Twitter is just the humanness of these people. And we can, I don't swear at them. I swear at the situation, but there are people who maybe swear at the players during the game. And it kind of hurts your feelings, really, because you're being blamed for something that you know you're fucking up and you want to do better. And what was a little heartbreaking for me was seeing Carlos. Aswaje, our, our Vino Tinto friend from the Padres, that he tweeted, I suck right now. And he followed it up with, I'm gonna go better. But it just, everybody then chimed in, luckily, in the comments about, it's all right, keep going, we're behind you. He is batting 190 this season and 111 in the last 15 games. So he's going through a little bit of a hard time, but it's it, he's feeling bad about it. And it's really hard to sort of see those feelings coming out there on Twitter. Well, I'm glad he's getting some support in return for that. We love a good streak. That's a bad streak. So I'm going to change this up and tell you about some good streaks going on right now. Way better. Way better. So my boyfriend from the Tampa Bay Rays, Wilson Ramos, the Buffalo, we so love the Buffalo, has a hitting streak that's 18 games strong. He's playing again right now as we're recording. If he hits 19 games, I believe that is a Tampa Bay franchise record. Awesome. He, also, he already has the Tampa Bay record for a catcher for a hitting streak. So go, go Buffalo. My other boyfriend with a really good hitting streak right now is our pal Francisco Lindor, who's on a 13-game hitting streak. This week, he had a game where he hit two home runs and two doubles against the Royals, which sounds great, but is that outstanding or is that just pretty darn cool? It turns out a game where you hit two home runs and two doubles is more rare than a game where you hit for the cycle. And if you remember, hitting for the cycle means you get a single, a double, a triple, and a homer all in the same game, which is very cool. And in the past 100 years, there have been 255 times where someone has hit for the cycle. That's small, relatively. That's crazy small. That's crazy small. And also only 108 times, however, that anyone has hit two home runs and two doubles in That's the same game. almost one per year. Look at me do the math. Oh, you're Check awesome. You're awesome with the math. I'm so proud. And Lindor is definitely on an offensive tear right now because just in May alone, he's hit eight home runs and he leads the league in home runs for the month of May. He's not the top of the list for total. That's your pal Pookie. But, um, but he's, uh, and actually Manny Machado just uh, tied him for that, for the 13 home runs. But, but eight home runs for just May. He also keeps his promises. Francisco Lindor, we've talked about the high school that he went to in Florida, Monteverde Academy, and how they named the field after him. And he goes back to visit these guys. He made a bet with them that if that baseball team could go undefeated this season, he would shave his head. Well, they did it. That's the, so the Monteverde Academy baseball team went 25 and 0. Lindor wow. surprised them at their school assembly where they were celebrating this undefeated season. And he showed up with the Clippers and he sat down and he had all the members of the baseball team take turns just shearing away his, his little blonde curls and all of that. So he gets to start all over again on yeah. a new do. And that's all on video. So we can put that out there. And hey, maybe there's a challenge to all the other players out there. Go back to your high schools. Be inspirational. That's a pretty amazing step for him to take. You know, just a little bit of a, of a callback to the Bauer thing. There was another tweeting issue with him criticizing Lindor for his errors, right? That he wasn't criticizing or? Yeah, he was not. He um, very clearly, when we talked last week about Lindor messing up two double plays two right. games in a row. And one of those was when Bauer was pitching. 
And that may be related to what you're talking about before, because he very, Bauer very clearly said, it's my fault those guys were on base to begin with. Yeah, he should have made that double play, but I shouldn't have put those guys on base. Yeah, but so in the wonderful used... world of social media, things get taken out of context, and then it looks bad, like he's criticizing his teammate. And the press likes to pump that up a little bit. Picking and choosing. On other um, maybe less stellar boyfriend news, I just last week I was thinking afterwards that I need to go back to my boyfriend lists and see the guys that I just haven't been paying attention to. I don't want to be neglecting them. And part of the reason where we're doing this fantasy bi- baseball boyfriend league was to reach out to teams that we might not be watching regularly. So I checked in on my B league that's doing pretty shitty. And why are they doing so shitty? And the, the basic reason is hurt Dodgers pitching. So among my hitting staff, though, Sean Rodriguez, who I really took in for his character and his his spunk last year, is doing really shitty. He's, who does he play for? He plays for the Pirates. Thank you. And he, part of the deal is he started doing shitty, so then they started playing him less. So that's less points for me. He's only It's a downward spiral is what that is. It's sad. It's, he's only started in five games since uh, April 22nd. And his average overall is 169. But there's hope. He's getting better. 214 in the last seven. So I'm hopeful that even the the bottom of my barrel is going to be coming up. And he had a little bit of not-so-sexy defense. And I've got to find this video because I was having a hard time finding it this morning. But he made amazing outfield defensive play where he was right in the warning track, Caught it, had to turn around, and then face-planted into the wall no, right after no, the catch. No, that's not a good look. Yeah, he bounced it's right heroic. off. It's it very was, heroic. It was heroic. He got lots of accolades for it, but, yeah, not so sexy defense. We're going to be talking about the Reds a little more than usual this week, but they've been doing a lot of interesting stuff, especially my boyfriend, Scooter Jeanette. I love saying Scooter. Yeah, and I just have to give a little shout-out. My boyfriend, Joey Votto, is the other half of the Reds, basically, right now. Between the two of them, they're holding up the team, so... Thank our guys. So Scooter was out for four starts because he had a shoulder injury. And the reason he sat out was he felt like it was affecting his throw. He wasn't making the plays he should be making because he couldn't throw because something was wrong. The way he's been playing since he came back makes everybody think this was affecting his batting as well. And no one actually noticed it because he was fine. Now he's spectacular. So he hit since coming back from his shoulder injury, four home runs in four games. He broke the streak last night, did not get a home run yesterday, but he went three for five. All right, so he's spectacular. Not so shabby. In the past week, his batting average just for the week, 538. And that's amazing. That's fucking spectacular. The Reds, as a whole, are on a five-game winning streak. That's great for the Reds. The the Reds (laughs) are in the basement, right? They're absolutely in the basement. We didn't talk about Matt Harvey last week going from the Mets to the Reds. We're going to talk about him right now because ever since Harvey showed up, he hadn't even played yet, they started winning. Just him being there on the team. He finally had his first start. He pitched four shutout innings. So things are looking up for the Reds. I don't know how long they can maintain it, but all signs point to good. And isn't he an example of the reverse of what you're saying worked for Scooter Jeanette? So the basic idea is if you're hurt, rest. And that didn't happen to Matt Harvey after he came out of Tommy John surgery. And actually, the management of the of the Mets is sort of feeling apologetic toward him that maybe we fucked you up by making you do too much too fast. Right. When um, when Strasburg from the Nationals went out for Tommy John surgery, he took a full year off. And then your favorite man, Scott Boris, his manager, put Ooh. a hard line restriction on how many in- 
innings Strasburg would be allowed to pitch when he came back mm-hmm. from this. And that's that messed us up in the um, in the playoffs. Right. But Strasburg is amazing right now. Harvey was the same thing. He was out for Tommy John, took a season off, and then came back. And Boris said, you need to put a hard line limit on innings that he pitches. And Harvey said, but I don't want to. I feel good. We're, you know, we're... We're in the playoffs. We're in the World Series. I want to pitch. And the Mets caved. Instead of them being in charge, they let Harvey make the call. He pitched. He screwed up. He pitched too much. And then he went downhill. So that could be it. That could very well be it. The Mets. More about the Mets. The Mets made a Little League mistake this week. This is a ridiculous mistake. They screwed up the lineup. And my boyfriend, Jay Bruce, got penalized for doing absolutely nothing wrong, but he was in the wrong he was in the right place. He was the, doing his job. He, he was, did his job. He was at and in the right place at the right time. What happened was this. The Mets created a lineup. It was tweeted out two hours before the game. It was posted in the dugout. It was broadcast. It was, you know, put up on the on Jumbotron. That none of that matters. The one that lineup that matters is the one that's handed to the umpire when the game starts. That one was different. That is the only one that counts is the official lineup. And then the crazy question is who did that handoff? Like I, somewhere something was just copied wrong and handed off wrong and there's no finger pointing on an exact person. And the manager takes responsibility for to. that. Yeah. So that lineup card given to the umpire had Estrubal Cabrera batting second, Wilmer, Wilmer Flores batting third. That's not what happened because all the other lineups had those two reversed. So Flores bats second, Cabrera then bats third, and he doubles, right? He makes a great, good hit. He's on second base. And, and this is against the Reds, okay? So we're, we're back to the Reds. So, so Jim Riggleman, who's managing the Reds right now, then says, um, hello, Blue, umpire? Can I get your attention for a second? Because if you do this at the right time, so many things go in your favor. And here's what happens. If you, before the... After someone who pitches out of order and before the first pitch is thrown to the person who's in the right order, mm-hmm. Jay Bruce was number four everywhere. We're up, Jay Bruce is up. Before the first pitch, Riggleman says, wait a minute. That calls Bruce out. The first pitcher in the right order gets called out. And anything that a, a, someone who batted in improper order did gets negated. So that double doesn't count. Doesn't count. So right. that's out too. So so Riggleman was Riggleman was smart. He he timed it exactly right. And talk about manager brownie points here. We were just talking about Riggleman, was it last week, being appointed Reds manager? Maybe it was Couple the week weeks before. Ago, yeah. And how he really, is it going to be sticking for him? Is he going to stay there? So he played his cards right. Maybe that gets him some brownie points. Whereas Mickey Calloway, the Mets manager, negative points. And is he a rookie or almost a rookie? I, a, I, I believe he's he's pretty new at this job, but um he's he's really he's um, helping out another rookie manager. Ray, we talked about Kapler a few weeks ago who screwed up with putting uh taking out a pitcher before another one was warmed up, another little league mistake. But now nobody's gonna talk about him. They'll be talking about Callaway instead. Also, no one's gonna be talking about Kapler's mistake because the Phillies are starting to turn around. And that's how to really correct these little league mistakes. Start winning. And the Mets were winning like crazy and haven't been recently, so this just sort of compounds insult to injury. The other point about Jay Bruce, my boyfriend, he's not playing this weekend because he's home with his wife who's due to have a baby any second now, so happy Mother's Day to the Bruce family. Happy first Mother's Day. You know, talking about Mets, the Mets had an interesting pitcher come out, P.J. Conlon, who is the first Irish pitcher 
in to start in MLB history. Oh, since 1945, so not ever, but in a long time. He actually has been in the United States for most of his life since age two, but he was born in Belfast, and he's uh, going right back to the minors. It was just a one-pitch, not one-hit thing, one-pitch thing or one-time thing, but who knows? At least he got his feet in the door. Maybe there'll be a future there. There's some other, uh, what do you call those things, uh, idioms, <laughs> ways to say this. Well, I've got one for you, and it's called a cup of coffee. Have you heard this in baseball? There's something called a, a cup of coffee. This is if you come up for the minors for a very short period of time, like one game or two games, and you get sent back down to the minors. They say you've been in the majors for a cup of coffee. And I, and I think in this case, it might have been a cup of Irish coffee. Which I would like even better. That sounds nice. Talking about sweeteners in your coffee. How about some oh. maple syrup? Hey, I'm oh, trying to do look the segue. You go. I'm nice. Hey, Big Maple. We talked about him last week. James Paxton of the Mariners. He got 16 strikeouts was the big news in the last episode. This episode, he has to one-up it. He has a no-hitter. And the beautiful part, he didn't even realize it until he was halfway through. He did it in Canada. It was against the Blue Jays. So the first Canadian to throw the no-hitter does it in Canada. Poetic. And delicious. Otani watch. Otani is pitching today as we speak, or very soon, right? Or very soon. And he's been doing all the usual stuff, you know, hitting it out of the park, breaking people's parks by hitting them with his home runs. <laughs> woot, woot. Yeah, but the thing he did this <laughs> yeah, week Otani. that was super cool was he hit a double versus the twins, right? With like small ball on Thursday. He ran to second base in an 8.07 seconds, which is the fastest double by by one of the Angels this year. So hooray for you, Otani. That does sound crazy fast. And we had talked about before how he, when you were talking about sprint speed last week and the week before and for a while now, that he's the fastest DH. So now beyond the fastest DH, he's, his sprint speed must be getting up there competitive with other positions. He's the fastest double ever this year on the Angels. We're going to switch to the Dodgers for a minute because it's another interesting pitcher story. A while back, we briefly talked about Pat Venditti, who is the only switch hitter. What nope, a great name. Nope, Venditti. I said it wrong. Did you switch, pronounce that right? Switch pitcher. Switch pitcher. Switch Venditti. pitcher. It's too hard to say. Yeah, the Venditti is the easy part. The switch pitcher <laughs> is the really hard thing to say. So the Dodgers called him up this past week from the minors. Because they need pitching, damn because it. Because they're out my... of pitchers. Uh. Everybody is out, right? So he debuted against who? The Reds. We're back to the Reds. There is this theme. There is a theme. And he pitched one and a third scoreless innings. And it was nuts because if you remember from before, we talked about he's got a six-finger glove. So he doesn't have to switch gloves. He just... <laughs> Moves his That's mitt cool. from one hand to the other. Is that and specially made just for him? How is, many people need a six-finger glove? He may be the only one. And I noticed it was, in fact, Dodger Blue, which was pretty cool. Nice. There is a Pat Venditti rule that Major League Baseball made up, which states that an ambidextrous pitcher, I can't imagine why this didn't come up before, sure. has to declare which hand he's going to use for pitching to a batter before the start of the at bat, because especially if you're dealing with a switch hitter, you've got a you're going to have a dance there. They've yes, they've seen this in the past where the, fit, the switch hitter will just turn around and then he'll switch hands and then they'll turn around again and he'll switch hands again. So they both have to declare before the start of the at bat, 
and he can only pitch right-handed or left-handed, whichever he chooses, for, for the, the remainder of the at-bat. I'm going to post a video of his um, the highlights from his one-and-a-third inning that he pitched the other day. I actually caught this as it was happening, and I was fascinated because he would switch between batters. He would just you know move the glove over and pitch with his other hand and strike out here, you know, threw a pop fly on that one. And he has amazing control. He can, th- you know, he can throw breaking balls with accuracy with either hand. That's incredible. You'd think that he's going to be coming back up for a while, and that'll be interesting. And I, I'm kind of sad about the role because that would be so funny to see them just dancing back and forth. I know, pace of play. Pace, pace of, of play. play. It's not going to work with pace of play. I just want to add one more little thing that I found online about Ichiro, who we were talking about last week, about how now he's going off the field into management. But apparently when he was still on the field this year, he's really known for his limberness and his stretching routines. And I actually read something about how he jabs stuff into his muscles to like loosen them out, which sounded amazingly painful. But he's renowned for his I have so prep. many questions that I don't want the answers to, so I'll leave that be. Yeah, Ooh. we'll go there. But we've seen him do Spider-Man kind of things at the age of 44, absolutely crazy. So another 40-plus hero contacted Ichiro by text and got Was it Bartolo his- Colon? It was actually uh, Tom Brady of the Patriots. And he, we know, post-40 also is super compulsive about his health and what he eats and how he works out. And he found out about Ichiro's routine, so he sent him a text and through some common connection got his number. Ichiro gets this text from someone he doesn't know, pops up Tom Brady, and he says, who the fuck is Tom Brady? Which I just love Ichiro for saying that. And I just love having to quote that. We've got a brief science update for you. The humidor. The humidor at Diamondbacks Park, at the Chase Park where the Diamondbacks play, they've had 20 games, 20 home games at Chase Field so far since this whole humidor, the baseball's being stored and climate control so they don't keep flying out of the park in the super dry desert air. Science. Well, there's some guys, there's some some nerds, some baseball nerds who are like, okay, we got to keep track of this. What is this really doing to us? Well, I'll tell you what it's doing. My boyfriend, Paul Goldschmidt, has not hit a home run in Chase Field yet this year. Which is insane. He is the, the hitting machine, supposedly, for the D-backs. I mean, he's their power hitter, right? Isn't he, that part he, of your boyfriend that's, connection? It's part of the boyfriend connection, and it's not happening in the home park. I, the Nats were there this past week, so I watched a lot of games, and I kept hearing the right sound coming off the bats, whether it was a Nationals batter or a D-backs batter. And the ball would just die at the warning track so over weird. and over again. So what these guys have done, ooh, math and science, there has been a drop of 32.7% in scoring versus this time last year. I'm That's feeling huge. smarter already. That's a third. That's a third less scoring happening in, you know, in the wow. six weeks, eight weeks of, of the season so far. Also, the park ERA, which means the earned run average of any of the pitchers, home or away pitchers, pitching in that park over time dropped from 4.7 last year to 3.2 this year. That's huge. That's, that's, like, a that's like a big drop. A, that's like a run and a half. That's an enormous amount. It's now a pitcher's park. The whole idea of this humidor thing was to kind of even things out. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the hitter's park or the pitcher's park. Nope, it's the hitter's park. So we'll keep our Wait, eye pictures, on that, right? It, yes, exactly. There we what, go. I, I, just see, I was what I listening meant. so, so carefully. It was really a test. It wasn't me goofing up. It was. It was really a test to I make passed. sure you're paying attention. I passed. You, you can. You can do like the the AP baseball test this week. <laughs> Yay! 
Really quick, I'm not going to say too long. The Yankees and the Red Sox played and people noticed. I'm not going to say anything more about that. Well, okay, Yankees took the series two out of three. (laughs) One last thing. Okay, really, this is it. Poor Jackie Bradley Jr. got hit by the fastest pitch to have hit a human being at a hundred and fucking three miles an hour off of Chapman. It's sort of like getting his side. It didn't really drill him, so I don't think there's any major welts going on. Couldn't have been fun, though. Did the benches clear? No benches clearing. It was a peaceful series. It was good baseball. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I've got a little bit more math for you because this is sort of horrifying math. Are you ready for horrifying math? Sure. Ramp it up. I can take it. This past April is the first month in Major League Baseball history to record more strikeouts than hits. I don't like this direction. By a lot. I just do not like this direction. By an enormous amount. The strikeout rate continues to rise. It's been rising for 13 consecutive seasons. This is the fewest hits per game since 1972. Wow. That's a long time. The strikeout rates are much higher in the earlier innings. And that's part of the that's part of the issue right there is the starting pitchers aren't pitching for as long. So they pitch harder earlier because they're not trying to conserve their energy to go deeper into the game. So they are making people swing and miss and swing and miss much sooner. And the pitchers are a lot stronger and throw harder in general than they have in years past. They have different workout uh, you know, right. habits and all of that. So even f- from five years ago, there's way more pitchers who average a 97-mile-per-hour fastball than there were. Just So, it's, so it's, it's enormous. I have two issues with this. Number one, what are we doing to pitchers' arms? Are we going to be – are these guys going to be seriously paying for this? Should human beings be throwing 100-plus miles an hour – that much. That's one thing. The other thing is what's it hap- what's happening to our strategy of the game if everybody's being trained to be a home run hitter. We used to have the power hitters, small ball play. If if there's so many people just going for the home run, the strikeout or the home run, what's happening to the excitement of the game? That's sexy defense. That's sexy defense. The um there's there are so few many fewer balls being this if this pace continues, there may be ten thousand fewer balls put into play this year. No fun. No fun and unreal numbers. So everyone's coming up with their own ideas. Here's what we can do to fix this. Here's what we can do to fix this. My two favorites are because the pitchers are so much stronger now, move the pitching mound back a little bit. A little bit because they it's it's scary. I mean, you just had somebody get hit by 103 mile yeah. fast. Maybe that wouldn't happen if they were back just a little bit further. Oh, don't want to hear the pitcher's reaction to that one, though. Right? That's it, yeah. Every one of these has people saying, yay, and, and no going, way in that. hell, right? right? The other thing is limit the shift. The, that is, the shift, I, I'm behind that. The shift is when the, the defenders move around on the field and they don't play where they usually play. The shortstop may switch to the other side and be kind of out in the outfield or the second baseman may be, you know, being on the same side as the shortstop and all of this. You think that's a defender thing, but it also changes the way the batters want to hit because they want to hit against the shift, which then in turn changes the way the pitchers are going to pitch, which still ends up in more strikeouts. So there's a really good longer conversation about that that we will make available to you because it's really pretty cool. But I'm just going to stop with that right now. But oh my God, what's happening to the hits? So much more to say. So we're into fashion now. We're beyond a grooming segment. We have a shoe segment. We have a shoe segment because Mike Clevenger of the Indians got called out for wearing bohemian elephant floral cleats. Now that sounds a lot worse than they are. They were basically one color with a little bit of trim that I don't know where the elephant part came from, but I actually think it's better 
that sounds better than they actually were. Yeah, they're really non-issue. And he got a nice little letter from MLB saying, you must not wear these. And he tweeted it out, and he tweeted their letter, and he said, make baseball fun again, they said. It would be fun, they said. Basically saying, you're taking the fun out of this. And he said, anybody who reaches this league, this level of hitting is not going to be distracted by a fucking little strip on my cleats. So that's case number one. Case number two, Ben Zobrist of the Cubs wears black cleats. Black, just plain black, not distracting. For historical reasons, right? It's a he throwback. does it as a, as a homage to players of long ago who wore those cleats. But according to the MLB rules, and you're going to teach us a little bit more about the rules because you're that kind of person. I'm on the National Enquirer end of things. <laughs> he... He was told, well, he actually asked for an exception, can I wear the cleats? But as of now, he's not supposed to be wearing them, I believe. What are the deets on that? So here's the deal. So there are rules, and the rules are stupid, but they are rules. And MLB could choose not to enforce these rules, but they're going for it. So what? So these weren't the only two players that got the nasty gram. Many, many players got the nasty gram, right? Here's the deal. The in the rule book, and this was these were rules negotiated by the players' union, which comes into play later. Comes it, into play. I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, see me. Fifty-one percent of the cleat has to be in the team's primary 51%. color. Fifty-one percent. Fifty-one percent. There is an altern- alternate rule, which I think is the one that Clevenger got, which is no alterations, writing, or illustrations are allowed on the uniform. Okay, so they're treating they could use either of those rules on either of those guys in particular. Hmm. Manfred, right, our commissioner of baseball, keeps pointing this back to the union agreement, saying, well, your union negotiated this. So so SB Nation and others are are saying, you know, it kind of feels like he's trying to turn the players against the union, which is, you know, is going to come in later when it's time to negotiate things all over again. I'm curious as to what's going to happen today, because Clevenger tweeted out a picture of the pink cleats he's wearing for Mother's Day that aren't (laughs) just pink, but they are pink with pizzazz. But those are approved. I don't know if these are approved because they're not just pink. They've got stuff going uh, on. So we will find out. A side note, I learned this week that a lot of players have switched to plastic instead of metal cleats. This is the actual bottom, the actual cleat okay. itself, because they're a lot lighter. They're also a lot more dangerous. They don't really grip anything. So I watched a sort of a rainy day game and people were sliding all over the place. So I know you want it easier on yourself with the plastic cleats, but I care about your knees and your ankles. So please go back to the metal cleats. Take it from a mom. Little bit of a scandal this week. We've talked about um, sexual harassment issues before and players being caught up in a little bit of the Me Too situation. And it happened big time this week with Blue Jays closer. So somebody who's key for the team, Roberto Asuna, uh, arrested, right, for assault. And coincidentally, it happened to be two days before his t shirt day. So the Blue Jays. Smart pulled the T-shirts and somehow got 15,000 Solarte T-shirts printed really fast so that the fans would get something. But there's basically 15,000 Roberto Asuna T-shirts out there just waiting for the investigation to go through, I guess, and see what's happening with Asuna. Yeah, I don't know if those are ever going to go anywhere because... You know, once you're accused, you're accused, right? And so it's going to be tainted. But so the Major League Baseball has seven days, which are almost up now, to investigate this accusation. But here's why it's more difficult because of this. 
they've never had to investigate one of these allegations during the baseball season, right? Oh, that's wow. a degree that's of a difficulty right there because what happens to the player during the season, right? But also, it happened in Canada, Major League Baseball not based really? in Canada. So they have to coordinate with Canadian law enforcement. They've they've worked with American law enforcement on these things in the okay. past. They've never worked with Canadian law enforcement in the past. So this is just another little degree of difficulty. Now, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have a joint policy that they came up with on domestic violence in 2015. And so Manfred, the commissioner, can suspend a player. He can order um, psychological assessment or counseling. He can he can order them to move out of the home that they might be Manfred sharing. Manfred can do that. Manfred, Major League Baseball, wow. under Manfred's name, can do this, move out of the home so no longer sharing it with their partner and also give up weapons. Sounds so like he's a got a thing. lot of power, but it's weird because of how this investigation has to happen, given that it's across mm-hmm. international borders and all of that. Um, a side note is all Major League Baseball personnel, the executives, the players, the staff, all of them are required to attend an annual training program covering domestic abuse, sexual assault, and child abuse. They usually do this over spring training. Yeah, and you've mentioned that before, and still we're having these incidents. So we'll see where this one goes. Uh, Some other international news, maybe on the brighter side, I wanted to do a little bit of a follow-up after that Mexico series that we had last week with the Dodgers and the Padres in Mexico. It turns out that there are some really interesting side notes there. Number one is the advantage for Little League. There's a part of MLB called Play Ball, and basically their, their one line is, we encourage people to play ball. And what it is is it's an umbrella kind of thing with lots of youth organizations supporting Little League all over the place. They did two things around this. One was they had the first bi-national Little League training situation, um, experience camp, whatever you want to call it, May 5th on El Paso and Juarez, which is our two sides of the border, brought kids from both sides in, did some training. They also, on May 7th, on the other end of this series in Monterrey, where the, tre- where the um, series was, they brought Little League kids in there to do some training. They also, in conjunction with the Boys and Girls Club of Mexico and both teams, the Dodgers and the Padres, refurbished a computer room at a Boys and Girls Club in Monterrey. And there were some people involved, like Jansen, the closer of the Dodgers, Padres Manuel Margot, um, Fernando Valenzuela had a, had a showing, the Spanish announcer for the Dodgers, Jaime Jarin, and they came in and dedicated this computer, the refer- refurbishments of the computer center. I'm not exactly sure what they were, must have been nice. I like that when baseball goes to other places, they they leave wherever they go in a little better shape than when they arrive. Yeah, and it seems like play ball is is really starting to ramp up with this. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of what they do for baseball for all because they had the trailblazer stuff and stuff promoting girls baseball, international, another good way to go. There's another story that I wanted to mention about the Mexico series, and that has to do with the groundskeeper of the Monterrey uh, Stadium. His name is Francisco Pancha Tamayo, And he lived in the United States for 15 years. And when he first came here as a migrant, he actually had a work permit that had to be renewed year to year. And he worked his way up in your typical migrant grunge jobs. He did landscaping. He moved on to golf courses. And from there, he had this golden opportunity in Arizona during the inaugural year that was 1998 
of the D-backs, he was in there on the ground level. Uh, <laughs> see what, see yeah, what I did there? Yeah, I gotcha. On the ground level. At Chase Field. At Chase Field of being the assistant to the groundskeeper there. So he worked for years at Chase Field learning about how to keep the baseball diamond, and that's going to be pretty intense. He goes back in May to Chihuahua, Mexico, in the state of Chihuahua, I forget which town, to see his mom, tries to cross the border to come back to the United States on Mother's Day, so shout out for today also, and is not let back in. And they say that his visa has expired. His visa was supposed to be renewed that November. So according to his story, the visa was not expired. But you do not have a defense lawyer in immigration court, and you're in Mexico, and he was stuck. And so he, in Mexico, started doing the same sort of looking for the groundskeeper jobs that he did when he first came to the United States, got an opportunity in uh, Estadio de Baseball Hector Espinoso and Emrocio, which was a new ballpark in Chihuahua, using his D-backs credentials, moved his way up to Head's groundskeeper there, and then he got a job for Los Algodoneros. Wait, Algodon... I, fuck, I you should can be able do to it. say I, that. I believe in you. You can do this. Algodon is cotton, so I should be able to say this. Algodoneros, which are cotton pickers, which is not a great name for a baseball team. But he became their head groundskeeper since 2003. Got to do stuff for the World Baseball Classic, the Caribbean Series. And then with this Monterey Series, with the Dodgers and the Padres coming in, who did MLB actually look for was this guy with the D-backs training. So seems like he's doing well, but it's just a little bit of an interesting Mother's Day slash immigration story, things that we're going through right now. We're going to end with our story about Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League. Here's what's happening. What's happening is my commish team made some major jumps. And you'd think that would take some points away from Potty Mouth's lead. But no, it just sucked up points from my NCIB. Ooh. So my, my team that was in second place is now in third place. So they're feeding off of each other, but they're still two and three. So I'm feeling really pretty good about that. Tell us our stats. I'm feeling really pretty good because my number one team is still way number one. By so many points. It's so many points. Thank you, Altuve. Thank you, Pookie. Thank you, Astros Pitching. Amazing. Has been keeping me way up there in number one. You know, one of your teams anyway. Yeah. one. one, The other one's tanking, so I'm kind of bookends, but... I'm number one. You're both number two and number three. Kamish first, NCIB second. Deborah's been doing really well out there in California. She's hanging in in our top five. And number five, out of nowhere, Tacoma Park socks out of the basement into number five, giving you a huge shout out. Good job, honey. <laughs> That's just so wrong. That is just so wrong. The week ahead for us cannot wait for baseball in your nation's capital because the evil empire is going to be here and we're going and the Dodgers are going to be here and And we are going. going. In the meantime, we've got a blog starting this week. Watch for that on our website, nocryinginbball.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at nocryinginbball. On Twitter, we're at NCIB Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are free. And until then, Say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Okay, I'll start with 69.